Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Thursday from Bill Landis and Austin Ward. We've got some fresh content, some analysis <laughs> of Ohio State. This time, it came from actually on the Ohio State beat. Bill Landis diving in at ohiostate.rivals.com. Use code DTE30 if you would like to read that or anything else for the next uh, 30 days for free. So we finished up the position previews, and now Bill put them all in order. How did you do it? Uh, it was really difficult. Um, I thought it would be easy, and then I got past the first two, and I was like, uh, I don't know what to do now. So uh, I tried to – part of it was like, oh, I'll come up, I'll develop a formula, and I'll give a certain point value for like returning production and average recruiting rating and returning starters and all that stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. So there's not, it's not really uh, – it's not all that scientific. Um, but I tried to take into account all of the information that I used when I did the um, state of the position series, which was all the stuff I, I just mentioned in addition to what's coming down the road. It's not just what do we think are going to be the best position, position groups in 2023. If it were that, maybe it would probably look a little bit different. Um, but I tried to take into account to the future, as we talked about on here during during all the position group breakdowns, like what's committed or who is committed in 24 and 25, or like who do we think they're going to get, who might come back after this year, that kind of stuff. So I tried to take all of that into account and spit out these uh, rankings of the position groups. I don't think that anyone could do this exercise that you did and come to a different conclusion at number one. Mm -hmm. But I tried to go into your rankings blind and figure out where does Bill have them? Where would I put them? And I, I had the same number two, but I was curious how close the margin was between wide receivers, which are obviously the most loaded position group, not just at Ohio State, but in the entire country now and into the future. And what you had at number two, which was the linebackers. It's probably clo it's closer in my mind than the public at large would probably assume. Like if you're a diehard Ohio State fan, which I imagine the majority of our audience, if not all of our audience is, um, they, they probably think of it a, a little differently. Like they were really good last year, Ohio State's linebackers. And like Ohio State's receivers were probably the best in the country or in that conversation. Maybe Ohio State's linebackers were not quite there. But I think both of the position groups are there this year. Um, and like Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s best receiver in college football. I think you can have a conversation about Tommy Eckerberg is the best linebacker in college football. And then the, the counterparts, Emeka Ibuka and Steel Chambers, I think are very good. Um, it's, it's a little different because you're talking about like no doubt about it, first round talent with the receivers. And that's not the case with the linebackers. But part of that too is like positional value. And I try to take that into account as well. Um, like the receivers are just. I think in a different way, sort of the, the thing that makes this the offense go and, and by default, like the program go. So so I gave them the nod. But and I, I don't and I don't think I would listen really that all that long to an argument for the linebackers to be number one. But I think it is worth mentioning that it's not a monumental gap between the two. It's not a huge gap between the two. Um the recruiting pedigree, I think, gives the receivers a little bit of an edge too. Like they have, they're going to lose Marvin and Emeka, and then Hartline's going to reload with like five more top 100 receivers, and most of them are five star prospects. Um, the linebackers are pretty well positioned to reload as well, but the recruiting rankings are not quite the same. What I thought was interesting was you have Marvin and Tommy Eichenberg, the case to be the best player in the country at their position. These really good players who maybe don't get the do in Emeka, Buka, and Steel Chambers, at least maybe nationally. I think you can go even further and say that there's a veteran sidekick who is pretty talented recruits, not to maybe the same level in each case, who 
may not get a ton of individual stats this year, but Julian Fleming and Cody Simon also have a lot in common. And I know that a lot of people want to skip past Julian Fleming to the next wave of wide receivers, the same way that that happens with CJ Hicks at linebacker. But I mean, that's an, that's a key part of this conversation for both of those units being so good for this year in particular, like, and we barely, barely reference them. There's certainly not people that get a lot of national acclaim. Julian probably much more so than Cody Simon, but we've said a lot of times on this show, or at least I have that Cody Simon, the leap he made, he was a lot more productive as a third wheel last year than he was as a starter. He was, and and I think he'll he'll be that again this year. I, I guess there's the chance that CJ Hicks takes some of that away from him, and and I know there's probably not a, a small segment of of the fan base that would like to see that happen. I think Cody definitely has a role in the defense and, and an important one. Um, and I tried to make sure every every time we talk about the linebackers, I try to make sure to point that out because I do want to acknowledge how much better he got last year in addition to Tommy and Steele. Um, but yeah, they're they're similar. I, th- I think they they are the two rooms are. Pretty, I don't, I don't want to say alike because like Hartline is the best at what he does in the country, and the linebackers aren't there yet. Like I don't want to, I don't want to anoint them because they had one good year. But it is also a bit remarkable to me how far that linebacker position has come in the last couple of years because that was the the part of the defense that probably took the brunt of the blame for how poor they played in the couple of years prior. So um, that they're number two now in my mind than I would think in everyone else's mind. Um, or most people's minds, I, I think, is a good testament to the work they've done. All right. How did you get into the next tier? Uh, that That's where it got tricky um, because I guess you could go a number of ways, right? You could kind of bank on projection, and a lot of it is projection. You can bank on um, returning production and like depth in the room, and I probably leaned a little more toward that when I put the running backs third. Um but I went back and forth between running backs, defensive tackle, defensive end, interior offensive line a little bit um, for, for like the third and the fourth spot. Um, but I ended up going with the running backs number three, um, defensive end four, defensive tackle five. And then uh, I guess we can pause there and get to the quarterbacks in a second. But that, <laughs> that was kind of the thought process um, of, of how I slot it three, four, and five. But I didn't feel great about it. Like I didn't, I didn't feel very convicted in my decisions. Yeah. I, I don't really know where I would have gone. I think I would have wanted to separate the guards from the centers and then put Donovan yeah. Jackson and Matthew <laughs> Jones. Up there. Like you have to start like cheating. Um, defensive tackle, I think has a, a decent claim in terms of what you're looking at with maybe being built up for the, for the future plus returning production plus potential, uh, if Tyleek takes the next step, all these other things that we talked about in the individual unit breakdowns over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, a healthy Mike Hall changes everything about this team, uh, or at least a Mike Hall that gets to play, even if he's not healthy, um, at 80% or whatever he was against Michigan State. That version uh, is hugely significant. Uh, so the same way that a next step, next evolution for JT Tuimolo and Jack Sawyer elevates the defensive ends there's there's a lot to work with there for larry johnson and a lot of uh, a lot of potential a lot of upside i you know i think that maybe i would have given a little bit more attention to the tight ends who are pretty low on your list mm-hmm. um I, I think i'm pretty bullish on that that group and then the, the combination of like Cade stover's returning productivity uh you know what we saw from joe royer 
the glimpses from G Scott, if that, if that elevates and then what they've got in the future pipeline with Jelani Thurman, especially, I really like the makings of that group. It's never that sexy to talk about tight ends and it's always hard to quantify because we know that Ohio state's not going to throw the football to them 50 times this year. That's well, maybe 50. They're not going to throw it more than that. How about that? Uh, I'll just make a (laughs) bold prediction and drill down right now. (laughs) They're, they're a group that I thought maybe I would have elevated into that conversation um, but I can understand why you didn't if you're basing it off of last year where Cade Stover, you know, dipped just a bit down the stretch and you didn't see a lot of Joe Royer, uh, you know, G Scott, you know, st- still hasn't elevated himself into a regular role. So I get that. Um, I'm skipping around on a lot of those positions, but I, I just, if we were talking three to five ish, that there may have been a way to get them in there. I, I definitely thought about it. Um, and I will say that, like, so there are there are eleven total because I broke up the two defensive line spots and the two offensive line tackle and interior. So, like three through ten, kind of all feel on a very similar plane to me. It's like one and two are separate, and I think eleven is separate on the bottom half. But the rest in the middle are all kind of similar. Um, and I moved them around a lot as I was like putting the story together. I basically like wrote all the blurbs and then tried to decide where I wanted to put them. And I probably moved tight end up two spots a couple times and then moved them down a couple spots. And I ended up putting them eighth, but that's not like, that's not me saying that I don't think that position group is good. Um, part of it is trying to like game out what the impact might be. And, and I guess my thought process was if you take, if you take running backs, defensive tackle, defensive end and tight end, let's say. And and say all those position groups are going to maximize their potential this year. Mm-hmm. I think the impact, if and then you rank like the impact that would make on the team, I think the tight ends will be last just because of the way that Ohio State uses the position. Um, but I still think it's going to be a good one. And like Cade is back, that's awesome. I'm just as high on Jelani Thurman as, as everyone else, and I'm, I'm really excited about the future of that position. I, I question the, I don't question might be wrong but like i think they need to prove that the depth is there they're they seem very confident that it is but but i'd like to see it play out before i like fully embrace that idea so that knocked them down a little bit for me um but i like again i think if you want to put them anywhere from like three to three to eight where i had them i think that makes sense based off what they have returning it's like the, the entire room is back basically besides mitch rossi um so that that's a good spot for them to be in and i think i just leaned a little more into the potential of the two defensive line groups um, and and the impact that I think they're going to have and can have this year if everything clicks right for them. Um, but I still, I think all the groups we've mentioned in the last five minutes, I think all of them are going to be pretty solid. Yeah, no, that, that logic makes a lot of sense. Can't argue with that really at all. Um, number, number six, maybe we could, you're just one of yeah. these, one of these concerned haters. That's what it's <laughs> all you are, Bill. I didn't know what to do. I was like, they're going to be, they're going to be good. The quarterbacks, they're going to be good. We haven't seen really anything from anybody, but we know they're going to be good. So what do you do with them? I just stuck them in the middle. Like, I, I didn't know if you want to put them, somebody, somebody on the board was like, I'll put them second. I'm like, great. I, I can't argue with that. Put them first if you want to, maybe not first, but um, you can put them up pretty high, I think. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I, I want to be, um, I don't know what the right word is like a little conservative, I guess with how much we're putting on that position, but the the track record is so strong that like, of course they're like, if they're, if they're even like merely above average, that would, that would shock me. Like, I think they're going to be very good. So um, 
I just didn't know how to handle the fact that we haven't seen any of them. So I, so I stuck them in the middle at number six. Yeah, fair. And you even, you made a week two that like maybe even after Indiana could be different. Like it's yeah. Once, once they do something, the, the opportunity for them to really shoot up is the same as probably the way you felt about cornerbacks lower than six. Like it's, it's early. And if you're just going to bank on the recruiting rankings beyond that, not just with Devin Brown, but Aaron Nolan or even into the future past that, like that's all that's banking on a lot of potential. There's not a lot of proven stuff on the field yet. Yeah. If it were, if it were last year, they would have been one. It would have been one. I don't, I don't think I would have, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think I did this exercise last year when I was at the athletic. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I didn't, but I've done it in years past. And I think the last time I did, I might have done it two years ago, and I think I had quarterback pretty low too because it was C.J. Stroud's first year as a starter. Like we didn't know. So, and then it turned out he was really good. And I think it'll turn out the same way <laughs> with these guys. So I hope, like, I hope people didn't see like six quarterback and think that I was joining the chorus of people who think that it is a concern for Ohio State after the conversation we had on Wednesday. I'm not, I'm not flip flopping. I'm just trying to, to, um, I guess be be honest with where they are, but acknowledge that. Uh, after like two games, I'm, I'm almost assuredly going to be wrong about this. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a snapshot of July. It's not meant to. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard, right? It's kind of like those bizarre ESPN FBIs. Like they're meant to be forward looking predictions, but they're based on, you know, current returning production levels and recruiting rankings, which are by nature not certain and are predictive and subject to change. So, yeah. Like, I always had a hard time when I was at ESPN, like explaining that. Like, it's not, I don't know. They're all guesses. Everything is a guess. <laughs> Everything is a guess. Until, yeah. <laughs> until you go play a game, like, I don't know. Betting lines are guesses. It was pretty crazy to me. And I guess I just haven't thought about it in these terms. Like, after Ohio State got the commitment from TV and St. Clair. It's like they they are set for like the next eight years <laughs> at the position, and then I guess like stuff can change. It's crazy, but like to have Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, Aaron Nolan, who's like a five star someplace and now committed, and then Tavian St. Clair already committed in twenty twenty five. It's like it's great for Ohio State, but it's 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 kind of odd to me that they are like that far uh, ahead of schedule at that position already. All right, what else after the quarterbacks for you stood out? <laughs> So I had interior offensive line ahead of tight end. And as we've had this conversation, maybe maybe that's wrong. Cause I, I think I think the uncertainty at center is enough that maybe tight end should be above interior offensive line for as good as I think Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are and are going to be. Um maybe that's a little bit of a misstep by me. I'm I'm pretty high on Donovan Jackson, and um I think maybe maybe some people are waiting. They want to see a little more and that's fair. Like, I don't, I don't think he was a world beater for all of last year, but um, I, I just feel like I've had like too many conversations with people about Donovan since he committed to Ohio state and just how high his ceiling was that it's hard for me to imagine. He doesn't take a pretty big step forward this year, both, both in his play and also as a guy who's just going to be like the leader of the offensive line room. And I think a really important voice on the offense as a whole. So I think that gave that position group a little nod for me um, above tight end. But again, you want to move tight end up. That's cool. I had, I had interior offensive line seven tight end eight. And then I got into the secondary um, cornerback at nine and safety at 10. Uh, I, I guess you could flip flop it if you want to. I feel like cornerback has more 
um, known commodities because even though Denzel Burke probably fairly had a little bit of a step back last year, I think there are, are, are reasonable explanations for why that happened and a reason to be bullish on him being better this year. Um, buy a little bit of the Jordan Hancock stock, and then you see what Davidson Igbenosin did at all Miss last year, and then you like factor in the depth in the room and um, on top of that. And, and I think I feel a little better about that position group than I do safety, but they're on a similar plane, I think, in, in my mind. I don't know how you view those two groups. It almost comes down to there's, there's so much similarity, again, between those two position groups, and you could go spot by spot and say, which one is at this part of the development, which one is the potential bet young star coming along. You could do that for each of them, which means it probably comes down to, do you think Denzel Burke or Lathan Ransom is going to be the more impactful player? And I don't, you could make a case for either one. I think I would, at this point, I'm in the same boat as you that I, after what I saw from a healthier version, especially in the peach bowl, plus the winter workout, reviews and the spring practice stuff we saw i think i'm more willing to make that wager on denzel burke right now not a knock on lathan in any way just there seems to be something clicking right there that i think can be really really fun to watch and really good for ohio state this season um i wouldn't i wouldn't question anybody who wanted to make that pick on lathan in the inverse like that's fine too i don't think there's a wrong answer but right now i'd say that i probably feel a little bit better if everything else is even, I'd say Denzel is probably slightly ahead in my individual power rankings, which then elevates his position. I I would agree with that. And and I also think like I, I did, as I said before, try to factor in the, the future a little bit here. And the fact that the corners just got Bryce West, um, they're in a pretty good spot, it seems, to get Aaron Scott at the end of the month. Miles Lockhart as well, perhaps. Um, I... I, and then, like the, at safety, they have the position, the commitment from Jalen McLean. But like, are they going to get KJ Bolden? Like, I don't know. If if I knew right now that they were they had KJ Bolden in the fold already, that might be enough for me to put the safeties like one spot up and put them above a cornerback. Um, but I kind of feel like they're in a position now, and I wrote this where they have to replace two new starters at safety, and they could be in that same exact position again next year if Lathan Ransom and Jahad Carter, let's say, go to the NFL. Then all you have back is Sonny Styles. There's like a there's a little bit of a long game there at that position that I think is is a tad bit unclear. Not to say that I don't like the players. Like I like Malik Harford, like Jaden Bonsu, Cedric Hawkins. I thought those were all good kits in their respective uh, recruiting classes. Um, or I guess they're all in the same recruiting class. But um, I just feel like corner is slightly better now. It's probably splitting hairs. But if you look long term, I think that that room has just a little more depth to it. And we can try to figure out who might start like in 2024 and 2025. And I did try to take that into consideration. So then I don't think there were a lot of real surprises there as you wrapped it up. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, I think I am, I'm less concerned about offensive tackle, like maybe slightly than I was going into the spring. And a lot of that is the addition of Josh, Josh Simmons um, since, since the end of spring. Um, and I think maybe we talked about, I think we talked about this when we did the position breakdown, like the idea that you could have two years of Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons starting while the rest of that room develops, I think is really good. It's just a question of what does year one look like? And if it's a little slow out of the gate or it's, I mean, it's probably not going to be as good as it was last year with Paris Johnson and, and Dewan Jones. Um, like how much worse than last year can it be for Ohio State to still accomplish its goals? And mm-hmm. I think Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons are, are good enough for them to 
to make it work this year and and will be better for it in the long run after going through a year of starting but i could see it getting a little hairy at times this year and then beyond those two there's just like there's not a lot of depth so there's really no depth so um they have to get a lot of those young guys ready to play too um which is why the two-year window that simmons and fryer might allow you is all the more important yeah no doubt about that uh couldn't really quibble much with that i thought it it was just going to be fun to point out your quarterback spot more than anything else on this show. <laughs> one day uh, after we talked about it on the podcast daily for Wednesday. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, well, they're extremely well positioned to jump up into a top spot pretty quickly. And yeah, they're going to they be like... <laughs> if, if they don't, we're going to be, be having a lot of different conversations. We will, yeah. They'll uh, check what, what day is the Indiana game? September 3rd. On like September 4th, they'll be, they'll be third at worst, I think. <laughs> good well that'll be a great show we'll go back and revisit <laughs> july's power rankings after the opener yeah probably won't i'll put some units that we'll skip that but we'll <laughs> we'll definitely update it at some point probably during the bye week that sounds like a great time for it um and uh then we'll figure something else to talk about on freaky friday we've got a couple guests uh lined up for some uh versions of the podcast daily in the coming days we know we know that you all want to hear some fresh stuff so we're going to try our best to get that as we still sit about what three weeks away uh or or inside three weeks until big 10 media days for ohio state uh so the countdown is on thanks for bearing with us thanks for joining us on a thursday for bill i'm austin we will talk to you later